You're listening to the Emotional Abuse Recovery Podcast, episode number 17. So for today, I am going to be sharing with you the first chapter of my book that was just recently released on Audible. So um, I will give a a little bit of a trigger warning on this. Um, There are some things in this first chapter that um, may be triggering to you. So if that is an issue, please do not finish listening and um, come back to it when you're ready. Chapter 1. Married. 17 years. I've lost count of how many times I've imagined his death. I'm not sure when I started daydreaming about all the possible ways he could die. There were slow, agonizing deaths, and quick, almost painless deaths. It didn't really matter in the end. How he died wasn't as important as that he died. I always heard when people become severely depressed, they spiral into such darkness that suicide is the only way out. The pain is so unbearable and death is their only escape. For me, it wasn't the same. I yearned to live and I wanted him to die instead. I wished and prayed for it. I prayed to God his SUV would tumble into the creek running parallel to the country road leading him home from his six-figure job. But Always to my disappointment, my husband still walked through the door every evening after work, donning his suit and tie. Images and fantasies of his stiff, dead body on our marriage bed swirled in my mind. Thoughts of him vanishing from my life like an apparition fading into the darkness became my obsession. I didn't want to die. I wanted him to die. Crashing his car, falling off a ladder, getting hit by a bus. I wanted him to die, and it didn't matter how. I imagined his funeral in my daydreams, his shiny black casket at the head of the church, and me feeling the burning urge to vomit, listening to his family and friends murmur softly about how wonderful he was. I replayed the fantasy in my mind of his brother's, lowering the heavy coffin carefully onto the steel rails above a hole that wouldn't bring him close enough to hell. Hurry it up, you guys. Get this over with. I had considered killing him myself, but there was one major flaw with this idea. I am not a killer. I didn't know if I could actually hurt him, let alone kill him. Could I live with the consequences? Could I live with myself? Just understanding why I wanted him to die was difficult for me. Sadness, frustration, confusion, and defeat plagued me. All I knew was that he was not the same person I married, and he made my life a living hell. How would I explain it to the police? My family? My children? Could I get away with it? I knew without a shadow of a doubt I couldn't live my life this way any longer. There had to be a way out. I couldn't deal with the pain and confusion. The constant criticism and guilt trips were unbearable. The sneaky manipulation of my emotions and oppressive control of my every move had me backed into a corner like a scared animal ready to attack. I recognized something was very wrong, 
but I couldn't pinpoint the nagging ache that made me feel so alone, lost, and on the brink of losing myself forever. Before Nick came home from work that evening, I removed my loaded, chambered handgun from its locked vault. I held it for a few minutes and ran my fingertips over the black gunmetal. I thought about what it would be like to kill him and how simple it would be to squeeze the trigger while I fearfully admired the weapon. I quickly put the vision out of my mind, shook it off of my thoughts like a dirty washcloth, and placed the gun in the safe. I locked it in the nightstand and slid the key under the mattress. It was our anniversary, and yet I wanted nothing more than for my husband to be dead. He planned a dinner out, and though I had no interest in being with him to celebrate a lifetime of heartache, sadness, and fear, I complied as always. Are you almost ready to go? Nick yelled from the living room as I was slipping into my little red sundress. The sound of his throaty voice scraped at my eardrums. Almost, I yelled, in unison with him slamming the door. Nick hated to wait. I looked at myself in the mirror, swept my dark hair behind my neck, grabbed my heels, slung my purse over my shoulder, and rushed out to the empty living room. The dark reflection of myself in the oversized flat-screen TV stalled me. All of the colors in the image of myself were muted. It was me, but it wasn't. A marked sadness behind my hazel eyes, and a deep crevice of concern held steady, like a vertical scar between my brows. I rubbed the wrinkle with my forefinger in a futile attempt to iron it out. Nick's horn blared from the garage, and I was startled from my daze. My spine stiffened. I sprinted barefoot from the living room to his car. He sighed heavily and shook his head as I tossed myself inside, buckled my seatbelt, and fumbled to put on my shoes. I'm sorry, I huffed. I told you I wanted to leave at six. It's 6.03, I smiled and pointed to the clock on the dashboard. Exactly, you're late. Three minutes, I snapped back. Just goes to show your lack of respect for me. You'd think you would be more considerate for our anniversary date. I got the kids to my mom's so you could have plenty of time to get ready. I planned this entire thing for you and you can't even be ready on time. He sounded so formal, professional, and sterile. You're really wearing that? He asked, looking me up and down like I had leprosy. Nick wore khaki shorts and a faded hand-me-down polo shirt from his brother. You think I overdressed? I asked. I never said that. Self-conscious of my attire but afraid to ask to change, I kept silent to avoid more conflict. Nick wouldn't want to waste more time for me to change my clothes. Nick would want me to deal with it. So I did. I always did what Nick wanted. I flipped the visor down and applied my lip gloss in the mirror. He flipped it back up. What the hell is your problem? I yelled. Allison, don't use cuss words with me. Only stupid people cuss because they're not smart enough to come up with better words. This wasn't getting off to a very good start. I screwed the cap on my gloss and jammed it in my purse as he pulled out of the driveway. My emotions would be suppressed to avoid further upsetting him. 
I stared straight ahead, unmoving. Sorry, I said. I lowered my eyes and stared at my smooth-shaven knees peeking from under the red floral-printed cotton. The tone was set for the night. I would have rather stayed home. My hope was that we would have had a nice time. I always had hope. I reflected back to when we first dated and how much fun we had together. He doted on me, he complimented me, and he treated me like a princess. But years had passed since then, and I thought maybe all marriages ended up like this over time. Neither of us spoke as we drove to the restaurant in silence. After parking, we crossed the cobblestone street toward the small dining establishment he had picked. Nick walked briskly ahead of me. I walked faster to keep up with him, careful not to lock one of my heels in the uneven pavement. When we reached the restaurant, Nick held the door for another couple coming in, and then me. This place is nice, I said as I gazed around the room. It was dimly lit with small tea-light lamps, and the tables were neatly dressed in crisp linens. The faint clanking of silverware and dishes from the kitchen echoed through the dining area. The aroma of charred steak danced under my nostrils. A pretty young hostess directed us to our table. I had put on my best dress, best smile, and best attitude for the night. I would be careful not to say something to upset or annoy my husband. I watched him study the menu. What are you getting? I asked. Nick's eyes inspected his options while I eagerly anticipated hearing what he would order. I think I'll get the five-ounce filet. That sounds good, he said. The price of his meal was $27.99. Ordering something of a higher price than my husband would be too risky. Without even perusing the menu, I decided to order the same meal as my husband. I'll have the steak too, I said. Why do you always get the same thing I get? He asked, crinkling his brows. I don't. Do I? You do, and it's weird. He laughed. <laughs> so next time, I'm going to make you order first. His eyes darted around as he studied my face. What? Do I have something on my face? I reached around to grab my purse from the back of the chair, but he stopped me. You look really pretty tonight. That's all. Oh, thank you. An unexpected compliment. It made me feel really good. I smiled. The rest of our anniversary date was uneventful. We stuffed ourselves full of so much food and drinks, and we opted to go straight home and skip dessert. On the drive home, Nick told me to write a letter to the restaurant management telling them how awful our experience was. I objected. But it wasn't awful, it was great. Why do you have to argue with me on everything? Just write them the letter and tell them how disappointed we were in the food and the service. They'll write us back and offer us a gift card or a free meal to come back to make it right. That's really wrong. That's dishonest. First of all, I've told you before not to give me your opinion unless I ask for it. You're making a big deal of nothing. Why do you act so weird? I don't want to do that. You can do it if you want to, but I don't like it. It's not right. You don't like it? It's not right? You're the only person who thinks like that. He rolled his eyes in disapproval of me. I was silent. Who is this man? I knew in my gut this was wrong. He was wrong. 
You know, you act so holier than thou. Act like you've never used a coupon in your life or gotten something for free. What kind of person judges someone but does the same exact thing? I hope God forgives you. I really do. This is not the kind of person you really want to be. This isn't who I want my wife to be. An immediate urge to jump out of the car rushed over me. I stared at the door handle, wondering if I could do it. He hopes God forgives me? Who the hell talks to their wife like this? My face was burning hot with rage. Thoughts of what to say to him wrestled in my mind. Who the hell do you think you are? You're an asshole. I hate you. Why don't you just die? Instead, I choked down my words, sat there in silence, stone-faced, clinging to fantasies of my dead husband. That night, after we both settled into bed, Nick laid asleep facing away from me. I was sure he was deep in dreams for about thirty minutes by his heavy breathing and light snore. I rolled over as slowly as I could, trying not to wake him, and reached for my handgun. The bedroom was black, but my fingers knew exactly where to find it. The bullet was prepared to explode from the barrel. It waited patiently for my fingers' command. All I had to do was pull the trigger. Cautiously, I pulled myself up to my knees, quietly and slowly making sure not to move the mattress with my movements. The gun was heavier than I remembered as I raised it carefully in Nick's direction. My heart was pounding like a drum in my chest, and I drew in tiny breaths of air and expelled them out even slower. Nick could wake at the slightest sound or movement. It was imperative I take my time, regardless of how quickly I wanted to get it over with. Slow. Slowly. I aimed the gun at the back of his head, imagining the blood pouring from his skull onto the freshly cleaned pillowcase. Stop shaking. Steady. My mind amplified everything. My senses were heightened. The sounds of my breath were roaring. The quivering of my hands on the pistol was erratic. Yet somehow, Nick was silent, perfectly still. I steadily touched my index finger to the trigger and squeezed my eyes shut tightly. My heart pumped faster as I attempted to control my breathing. Calm down, Allie. Hold yourself together. Memories of my life shuffled before me. The whirlwind of love with Nick, our wedding, buying our first home, and the joy of the births of our children. How can it be I so badly want to rid this man of my life? Of his life? Could I be so cold-hearted to murder him in his sleep? In our bed? How easy would it be to end it all? I held every ounce of power, and he was completely defenseless. All I had to do was shoot, and it would all be over. Instantly, my entire body shook, causing me to lose my grip on the gun. It descended clumsily onto the bed, making no sound as it landed. It was as if gravity took it from me. Suddenly, my upper body felt like a powerful snake was constricting me, and there was no room for air in my lungs. Sucking in as hard as I could for oxygen sent me into a panic. The tears uncontrollably dripped out of my eyelids. Allie, are you okay? 
Wake up. Nick interrupted my sleep, yanking me out of a nightmare I wasn't completely sure I wanted to escape. You had a bad dream. My emotions were bursting out of me like a broken dam. My body was tingling from head to toe. I couldn't breathe and I was gasping for air. Nick sat up, switched on his bed lamp and slid his thick glasses onto his nose. You're having an anxiety attack, he said. I can't breathe, I said between sharp sucks of air. Calm down. What's wrong with you? Take slow breaths. You're fine. Just calm down and breathe. Everything's fine. The weight of the world was resting on my chest. The tears wouldn't stop. There wasn't enough air. I was trembling and my face was soaked. God, make it stop, please. I cried and heaved for what seemed like an eternity. Nick looked on like I was crazy, with little empathy, annoyed by me waking him and waiting for the attack to end. After my panic subsided, he reached up to switch off the lamp and flopped to his pillow. The dream was so real. Part of me was relieved it wasn't, yet the other part wished it had been. The dream was more real than any daytime fantasy I'd conjured. I ran to the bathroom and vomited up my sin. Thank you for being here with me today in the Emotional Abuse Recovery Podcast. I hope you found value here with me. If this podcast episode was helpful to you, I'd love for you to hit subscribe and leave me a review. My goal is to help you go from feeling stuck to set free. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook, and you can check out WhenTearsLeaveScars.com for more resources and information to help you with your own emotional abuse recovery. Until next time, here's to believing in